podcast. My name is Kristen Gonsi, and as I promised, today I will continue reading Alexandra Kollontai's Red Love. Chapter 6 is kind of a long one, so I'm probably going to have to break it up over two episodes. But before I jump into this reading, I just wanted to make a quick note about a conversation that I had with my daughter in the last bonus episode that I posted, so the episode that immediately preceded this one. And it was about this website, uh, OnlyFans, which I'd actually, you know, quite frankly, never heard of because I am not on social media and fairly ignorant, I think, of some of these things online. But after our conversation, I decided to to look into it. And I was actually quite surprised. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have been, but it's quite an exploitative website, I have to say. They take 20% of the revenue that is generated through the website. But what's even worse is it kind of operates like a pyramid scheme so that if you're on the website and you convince other people to join the website through a referral link, I believe, at least at first, the referrer got 5% of the revenue of anybody who joined through their referral link in perpetuity. And, And now I believe after some criticism, they've only made it for the first year. So, you know... Wow, I uh, this is what happens when you talk about things that you you don't know about, and I and I'm quite sure that my daughter didn't know about that either. She had just seen some various videos, I guess, on TikTok, and you know, just wanted to talk about the phenomenon. You know, so for what it's worth, I think that uh, this is actually quite an exploitative uh, platform, and uh, I you know should have done a little bit more research before we. We, we talked about it, but the wonderful thing about our podcast or, you know, our conversations on this podcast is that they're pretty free flowing. And I, I try to just be as open and natural with her as I can, because it's great that, you know, she wants to talk to me still, uh, as a, as an 18 year old. So anyway, we're going to get back to Red Love. And we, the last time I was reading from Red Love, chapter four and five, actually really most of the book up until this point, there have been a series of flashbacks, which Vasilisa, who's our protagonist, has been having as she takes the train to go see her lover, Volodya. And so chapter six is basically the beginning um, of kind of the action. And so we've gotten all the exposition that we need. And now the story actually begins. Vasilisa is actually going to arrive. All right, so this is chapter six, probably part one of Alexandra Kolontai's Red Love. The train was to arrive in the morning, and Vasilisa was up with the first pale light of dawn to collect her things and dress to please her beloved Volodya. They had been hard those seven months of separation. Vasilisa was happy, gay, joyful. She felt spring in the air. The Nep girl was still in bed, lying on her back and gazing at her reflection in a hand mirror. But Vasya had already washed herself, carefully brushed her curls, put on the new dress Grusha had made for her. Vasilisa looked into the mirror on the wall. She saw only her eyes. They sparkled so that her entire face looked beautiful. Everything seemed to be all right. This time, Volodya wouldn't lecture her for running around in rags. A station. Vasilisa looked out the window. It was early in the morning. The sun was shining. In the north, one could hardly see that it was spring, but here everything was in bloom. The trees, too, were full of flowers. 
strange, very odd trees, leaves like those of the black alder, but more delicate in color, and the boughs covered with white blossoms, resembling lilac blossoms, but they were not lilacs. Their perfume, sweet and very strong, was pouring in through the window. What sort of tree is that? Vasya asked the conductor. We don't have them in our country. White acacias. White acacias? They're pretty. The conductor broke off a few branches and gave them to Vasya. How sweet their scent was. And Vasya was so happy that she was almost in tears. Everything about her was so beautiful, so fascinating. But the most important thing? In an other hour, I'll see Volodya. Will we be there soon? Again, Vasya turned to the conductor. To her, it seemed that the train wasn't moving at all. It had stopped again at a siding, and at last it moved on. Now the city was in sight, the cathedrals, the barracks, the suburbs, the platform of the station. But where was Volodya? Where? Vasya looked out the open window. Volodya, however, had come in through the other end of the car and took her into his arms. There you are, Volodya. How you frightened me. They kissed. Quick, let me have your things. This is our secretary. Please take to things, Ivan Ivanovich. We are going to the auto. I've got a couple of horses now, Vasya, a cow and a car, and I'm intending to get some little pigs. We have a lot of room. It's a regular farm. You'll see for yourself. You'll live like the lady of the manor. Things are getting along well. Not long ago, we opened a branch in Moscow. Vladimir talked on and on. He could not tell her quickly enough of the things he was busy with, which filled his thoughts. Sitting in the auto, Vasya listened. And although she was very much interested in what Volodya had to say, she would have liked to have talked about her own affairs, to find out how he had gotten along without her. Had he longed for her very much? Had he waited very anxiously for her? They drew up before the house, a one-family house with a garden. A half-grown youth, an errand boy, in a gallooned cap, was standing guard at the door. He helped them out of the car. Now, Vasya, we'll see how you like our house, whether you'll find it better than your cage under the roof. Carpet on the stairs, a mirror, a reception hall. Vasya took off her hat, dropped her coat. She went into the living room, sofas, rugs, a huge clock in the dining room, some still lifes in gilded frames, antlers on the wall. Well, how do you like it? Vladimir was radiant with pride. I like it replied Vasilisa uncertainly, looking about. She didn't know herself whether she cared for it. Everything was so strange, so unfamiliar. And this is our bedroom. Vladimir opened the door wide. There were two windows opening on the garden. This pleased Vasya at once. Trees, she cried, delighted. White acacias, she hurried to the window. Look around the room first. You'll have plenty of time to run around the garden. Isn't it nice what I've prepared for you? I picked out and arranged everything myself. I've waited for you since the moment I moved in. Thanks, darling. Vasya stretched to kiss Volodya, but he seemed not to see it, took hold of her shoulders and turned her so that she faced the long mirror in the wardrobe. See how convenient it is? When you dress, you can see yourself from top to toe in the mirror. There are shelves inside for your underwear, for your hats, for your other things. 
why? How many hats and other things do I have? You've hit the nail on the head, Vasya laughed. But Volodya went on. Will you look at the bed? A silk quilt. And I had a hard time finding it. It belongs to me. I didn't get it among my supplies. And here's a pink lamp to light at night. Vladimir showed Vasya around, pointing out every trifle, delighted as a child. Didn't I feather a cozy little nest for my little girl? Vasya listened, smiling at his happiness, but still not quite at ease. She couldn't deny it. The rooms were nice, splendid, rugs, curtains, mirrors, but not familiar, as if she had come into somebody else's house. The things were not what Vasya needed. There were no tables where she could spread her books and papers. Only one thing really pleased her, that she could see white acacias from the windows facing the garden. Get ready now and wash up, then we'll have some breakfast, said Vladimir, going over to the window to let down the shades. What are you doing that for? objected Vasya. It's so nice to look into the garden. But it won't do. The shades have to be down by day or the upholstery will fade. Down sank the gray shades. Like heavy eyelids, they hid the green of the garden shining in through the window. And the room became gray, monotonous, even less familiar. Vasya washed her hands and combed her curls before the mirror. What's that you have there? Did you have a dress made of the material I sent you? Why, yes. Expecting a word of praise, Vasya looked up at Volodya inquiringly. Let's have a good look at you, he turned her about. She could tell from his expression that he wasn't pleased. Where in the world did you get the idea of piling all that stuff on your hips? You've a narrow figure, just the thing for the new fashions. Why did you get this monstrosity? Vasya was confused, flushed to the roots of her hair. She felt guilty. Why a monstrosity? Grusha says that's stylish now. What does your Grusha know about it? She made a mess of the material. You look like the wife of a pope. You'll do better to take off that dress and put on your everyday skirt. You'll more look more like yourself. This way, you're neither fish, flesh, nor fowl. Volodya did not see the disappointment in Vasya's face. He went out into the dining room to see about breakfast. With a heavy heart, Vasya pulled off Grusha's handiwork and hastened to put on her old skirt and the blouse with the leather belt. She was not at all happy. Two little tears dropped on the old blouse. They dried quickly, and there was an unpleasant coldness in Vasya's eyes. And this is a new section now. The manager's housekeeper came to pay her respects during breakfast. Maria Semyonova, a robust woman of middle age and respectable appearance. Vasya shook hands with her. That wasn't necessary, said Vladimir, after Maria Semyonova had left the dining room. If you don't act like the lady of the house, you'll have them all on your neck. Vasya looked at him in amazement. That's something I simply can't understand. Vladimir served Vasya, but she had no appetite, felt ill at ease. Here, look at the tablecloth, Morosov linen. The napkins have the same design, too. But I didn't have them put out. It cost too much to wash them. Where did you get all these things? Did you really buy everything? Vasya looked searchingly at Vladimir. Ha! Such an idea! Why, do you know what these furnishings would cost nowadays? Billions! 
Do you really think that my manager's salary enables me to buy such luxuries? All these things were supplied to me. I was lucky enough to come at the time when it was possible, with the assistance of some friends, to obtain such furnishings from the authorities. Now, they've put a stop to all this. No one can have a house furnished like this today, not unless he pays cash. Besides, I brought several things on my own account during the winter. The wardrobe and the mirror, in the bedroom, the silk quilt, the drawing room lamp. Vladimir enumerated everything, happily, contentedly. Vasya's eyes grew colder and colder, shone with wrath. They no longer seemed brown, but green, like a cat's eyes. And how much did all these splendid things cost you? Vasya's voice trembled. Vladimir did not notice, but continued eating his chop and drinking his beer. Well, if you calculated a total, including what I've taken on credit on the installment plan, it amounts to, slowly, so as to impress Vasya, Vladimir mentioned a very considerable sum. Raising his laughing eyes to her face, he seemed to say, Now, do you see what a fine fellow I am? Why, Vasya, what's the matter with you? She had jumped to her feet, was standing over him with angry green eyes. Where did you get the money? Tell me at once, where? What's the matter, Vasya? Calm yourself. You surely don't believe that I got it dishonestly. Or don't you know anything about money values? Compare it with my salary and you'll see. He told her the amount of his monthly drawing accounts and bonus. That's your salary? Your monthly salary? But how dare you, a communist, spend it for such trash, for such nonsense? Poverty's increasing. Misery and famine are round about. And the unemployed, have you forgotten them? Was there nothing irregular about your becoming the manager? The furious green eyes came closer to Vladimir. Well, sir manager, will you be good enough to answer? Vladimir did not give up, but wanted to bring Vasya to reason, to convince her good-naturedly. He laughed at her. You live like a sparrow under the gables, and you have no idea what money is worth. Others are earning even more and live quite differently. They make a really elegant appearance. But Vasya was not the sort to be defeated with words. She had made up her mind to demand an account. Why didn't he live as a communist? Why did he throw his money away on foolish trifles while poverty and famine held sway around him? Vladimir realized that he couldn't get at her by this means. He would have to try another way. He would have to attempt a political explanation. That it was all part of the manager's task. Instructions from headquarters. The main thing was to do all he could to make the undertaking flourish, to increase the earnings of the company. And this was his strongest point. Vasya must wait until she saw what he had accomplished in a year. He had built up everything in a deserted place, had increased the output, so that now the entire trust was dependent on his supervision. She would see for herself. Though he lived like a human being, he was nonetheless concerned with every one of his employees, with the most humble shipping clerk. Let her only get an insight into the matter, then she would think differently. But he had not expected that his friend, Vasya, his wife, his comrade, 
would come there to join in the chorus of his enemies. It was so hard to work that way. He gave all his energy to the cause, and these were his thanks. Even his wife was against him, wanted to condemn him. Vladimir was offended and furious. His eyes were those of an angry wolf. They flashed fire at Vasya as though to burn her because of her suspicion and condemnation. Vasya listened thoughtfully. He might be right. Everything was different now. The most important thing was that his accounts were straight and the work done. The national wealth must be increased. She was not disputing that. Because I get some things, establish my own household. Am I to live in community houses forever? And why are we worse than American laborers? You should see how they live there. They have their own piano, their own Ford, their own motorcycles. In the meantime, the worthy Maria Semyonova had looked into the dining room several times. She wanted to serve the fritters, and she saw that these two quarreled the moment they met. That's how it had been with the real gentlefolk whom she had served before the revolution. They, or the communists, they were all alike. Only it was too bad about the fritters. They would spoil with the standing. Vladimir took Vasya everywhere, showed her the offices, the warehouses, and the homes. He took her to the bookkeeping department, too. Just take a look at our books. You won't find such a system of accountancy anywhere else. See how wonderfully I've arranged things, and then tell me that I'm wasteful. He asked the bookkeepers to explain to Vasya the principle of their system, which was simplified but accurate. It had received special commendation from headquarters. Vasya listened carefully. Although she couldn't understand everything, she saw that they were trying hard and loved their work. Volodya, too, was in it with all his heart and soul. He took her to the homes of the employees, purposely asked their wives whether they were satisfied. He looked at Vasya triumphantly. Everyone said the same thing. Were they satisfied? Nowadays, it was impossible to be better off. We owe our lives to your providence, Vladimir Ivanovich. There. And you say I'm a spendthrift. Believe me, I took care of our employees first. I got as much as I could for them. And only then did I think for myself. You see how they live. The working men are just as well off as the office force. I made special efforts in their behalf. Really, I did everything I possibly could. Very well, you did all that. But what about them? What did they do for themselves? What peculiar ideas you have, Vasya. Don't we have the same interests, they and I? Before, of course, the manager stood on one side and the workers on the other. But not now, not here. You've become moss-grown in your little bog. He was joking, yet Vasya felt that Vladimir wasn't pleased, that she had offended him. He spent the entire day taking her about the various buildings of the works. Vasya grew tired. Her temples began to throb. She had a stitch in her side, a backache. If only she could go home, lie down, and go to sleep. Her head was still buzzing with the noise of the train wheels, but Volodya had just told her that there would be guests for dinner. She was to receive them. They came home, entered the hall. An errand boy opened the door and remained standing as though expecting a command. Looking at him, Vladimir took a notebook from his pocket, scribbled a few words, and gave the note to the boy. Now hurry, Vasya, so there'll be no delay. You'll bring the answer to me personally, understand? He turned to Vasya again, looked at her with an odd expression on his face, half guilty, half inquiring. What's the matter with you, Vasyuk? 
Why do you stare at me so? His voice sounded uncertain. Nothing's the matter, but the errand boy's name's Vasya too? Yes. Don't you like the idea of there being two Vasyas in my house? Can you imagine? She's jealous, but you needn't worry. There's not another Vasya like you in the whole world. Gently, he put his arm about her, gazed in her eyes, and kissed her. It was the first time he had caressed her all day. They went into the bedroom, arm in arm. All right, so that's the first part of chapter six of Red Love. And of course, you know, Kolanta here is being pretty heavy handed. Boloja, you know, who was this anarchist, if you remember from the early chapters, who had lived in the United States and he sort of becomes a Bolshevik during the revolution. But, you know, he has a taste for pretty fine things. And there have been a lot of suspicions that he's stealing money or that he's doing things um, kind of in an unseemly way. And so Vasya is quite suspicious. You know, he also sort of cheated on her with a nurse and. He's kind of a shady character, but I think what's really important here, again, is Kolontai's critique of the new economic policy, of the, the kind of resurgence of materialism, the, the maid, the, the woman who is serving Volodya in his new house is somebody who obviously used to be the servant of some bourgeois in the previous era. And, you know, she basically just thinks that these are all the same. These communists are really no different. Everybody just wants to have fine things and silk quilts and pink lamps and things like that. And my favorite moment here in this section is where he makes her close, like draw the shades so that the sun won't fade the upholstery. Um, but she wants to look out at the acacia trees, which is just kind of funny, if you ask me. Just It just sort of shows that already they're very much going to be at loggerheads. So in the next episode, I'll finish chapter six. I will just say for the record that these episodes are going to be a little bit longer because I am really trying to get through this novel. I'm going to try to read as much as I can and then do some discussion. And, and the 15, 20 minute episode format is just sort of kind of constricting me. And so for a little while, we'll have these longer episodes until I finish Red Love. I think this is probably the last time I read something this long. In any event, I, you know, hope everybody out there is happy and safe and well, or at least, you know, uh, holding, holding up against all of the crazy things that are happening in the world. Thank you so much for listening. A quick shout out to my listeners in Finland. And I'm really pleased that people are finding inspiration and, and, and learning about Kolontai and also recommending the podcast to their friends. So as always, keep up the good fight.